Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it is Trags, Mike Petralia, back with the latest episode of the Jungle War podcast, powered by FanDuel Sportsbook, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Back with me today on this episode of the Jungle War pod is Kelsey Conway, the terrific beat reporter for the Cincinnati Inquirer, covering the Cincinnati Bengals. Kelsey, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you? I am good. I'm trying to be like Zach Taylor. You know what I mean by that? Why? Optimistic? Yes, optimistic and maintaining a purpose to my every step in, in life. And that's what he was doing on Monday uh, when he said that there is still hope for a special season. And um, you and me were both in the room with Zach when he said it. And um, the question was asked towards the end of the press conference. And I thought it was, a, a, for him, for Zach, a, a very typical positive tone on the answer to that question. But obviously, he wants to maintain a purpose for his players because there uh, are still six games to be played in this season. There are five and six. Everybody knows what the hard, cold reality, the cold, hard truth of this Bengal season is. They don't have Joe Burrow anymore. He's out. And I just want to get your read to start this podcast, what you thought of what Zach said and what he's trying to do in terms of keeping the, you know, keeping the team together. I mean, would you expect anything different from a head coach of a football team? Um, They're going to say that they're going to, and they will, every coach is going to try and do everything they can to put themselves in a position to win the game. Um, I thought Zach was shockingly more optimistic yesterday than I anticipated him to be simply because, you know, how coaches can be sometimes after they lose games, important games. Um, but I think for him, um, he knows that if he gets negative, you know, the team is this close to checking out. Um, so he's trying to keep, do everything he can as the leader to keep the team together. Um, so yeah, I, I wasn't expecting anything different from Zach, but I will say he was more optimistic. Um, but like, it is what it is at this point, this season, um, obviously Joe's injury changed the landscape of the season, but these guys are all still professionals and they have a job to do and their futures, a lot of them. And if it's going to be in Cincinnati is dependent on if they're able to do what they need to do on the field. Um, cause the Bengals are gonna have to make some tough decisions after the season. Okay. So really nobody, nobody should you know, take the angle of, you know, this isn't, you know, just because 
playoffs are a little bit out of reach. It's time for us to check out. Like it's, there's too much on the line for that to happen for everyone involved. I guess. And it's always dangerous to do this, Kelsey, but um, reading some of the reaction online, it's like people lose their mind because he's doing exactly what you've just said. He's maintaining a professional and, you know, in this particular case, perhaps overly positive attitude, but what else is he going to do? And fans like lose their mind. Like, can't he see that the, you know, the ship is burning around him, that the ship is sinking around him. Can't they see that? And I'm like, well, you know, you want a coach that keeps the room together and keeps players playing hard. And the other thing that I pointed out in my column for this morning was one of the reasons that players love playing for Zach Taylor, good, bad, or indifferent to, in terms of the fans, is that he has their back. And I thought, you know, one of the best examples this season was how he made a point of defending Logan Wilson last week uh, after the um, injuries that uh, you know certainly the Mark Andrews injury in the Baltimore game and and two other injuries uh, one to Lamar Jackson and the other uh, to Odell Beckham Jr. It's that Zach Taylor has their back and I think it's important for a coach to kind of convey that message to the players. Yeah absolutely uh, there's a reason why Joe Burrow and Logan Wilson have said they only want to play for Zach Taylor in their career. It's because he understands that he has to have a good relationship with his players for them to be the team he wants them to be. Um, and I think that's one of Zach's strong suits is his ability to relate and connect with the players. Um, but I, as far as like fan reaction, no coach is going to get up there and dog their players. That to me doesn't scream a good coach. So although no. I know people want People look at it like if Zach doesn't say we can't run the ball because X, X, and X person, like they know what's going on. Just because he doesn't say it publicly doesn't mean they don't know exactly who's responsible for everything that's not going right. Um, and there's a lot of people that have hands in that. And that's kind of what I wrote on Sunday night is that the Bengals run game failures isn't just on one person. It's an organizational failure right. to what happened this year because it touches Duke Tobin. It touches Zach Taylor. It touches Frank Pollock. It touches Brian Callahan. It touches Joe Mixon, Chase Brown, Travion Williams. It touches the offensive line. So like it's a, it's not just one person. Um, and that's why, when Brian Callahan and Zach Taylor says we need to get more in the run game, that is them putting everyone involved in that on notice. Hey, football fans, score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets. That's $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time than now to get in on all the action. And the app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and much more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and get in on all of the fun action this NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 and present in Massachusetts, hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager is required. First online real money wager only. 
$10 first deposit is required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. So, um, great segue, Kelsey, because I want, and you were in the room uh, with me and Brian Callahan and, and several other reporters on Monday, and I still don't understand, really, why Chase Brown didn't get a touch why he didn't run the ball once. And granted, you know, the the Bengals only had, I believe, 37 offensive snaps. They had more than that if you include the punts and the one field goal uh, that they had. But why didn't Chase Brown, do you have any better understanding today, Tuesday, two days removed from the game, why Chase Brown didn't touch the ball on Sunday? Well, all we can go off of is what the offensive coordinator said. And he said they had plays that they were planning to get him involved in that they just didn't get to. Right. So. I don't that, know how to read that. I, I, I still don't know what that means because. To me that read because the Bengals were so ineffective on first down, they kept finding themselves in second and nines and third and tens. And they weren't even going to run mix in in those situations. And I think it goes to a bigger question in what type of running back is Chase Brown going to be? Because if they don't think he can get them seven or eight yards, and that's why he's not going to be a first down back, is he going to be a featured receiving like third down scat back? What is his role on this team? And I don't know how you know what it is if you don't play him. So that's why I was the one encouraging thing that listeners and fans that have that same question is I think he's going to play more this game and, you know, throughout the rest of the season, I think that goes for chase Brown and Charlie Jones. You have to know what you are getting in those two guys in specific because of who you're likely going to move on from in the off season is Charlie Jones good enough to replace Tyler Boyd. Do you believe in him enough? Is Chase Brown good enough to be your number one back if you move on from mixing this offseason? Those are questions they don't know yet. And that's why it's like they're going to try and win every game, but they definitely have to take an approach of we've also got to find out what we have in some of our players. And wouldn't you rather do it now versus week three or four next year and have one of them make like a critical play against – a team that ends up being an important win or loss in the playoff race. Like now's the time to do it is what my, my point is. No question. I think that's a great point. And uh, to add a little more context to what you just said, Chase Brown was not going to take Joe Mixon's reps on first down on Sunday. That's the other way to read what Brian Callahan was saying uh, to your point is, we we still believe in Joe Mixon. I asked a question after the game to to Zach Taylor, and and Zach said point blank, "Don't make this about Joe Mixon." Well, if that's the case, then Chase Brown wasn't going to get at least on Sunday against Pittsburgh. He was not going to get those reps um, against the Steelers. Uh, I'm just curious because it's so tough 
to run the ball against a team like Pittsburgh against their front. They're a very difficult team to run against, as are the Ravens, as is pretty much every team in the AFC North, as we've seen, and the Bengals just haven't had answers. That's another question I have for you, Kelsey. Do you, and I think you made reference to this on Monday, do the Bengals need to start behaving like the other three AFC North teams. What I mean by that is, do they need to start limiting possessions? Do they need to start grinding games out and putting less of the burden on Joe Burrow? Well, that's what I asked Brian Callahan yesterday. Yep, he did. Um, and I don't really know how he took my question um, based on his answer, but I, yeah, I, I just, ha- it, it's a hard thing to analyze right now because the Bengals are back-to-back AFC champions, right? But that's only been two years. Whereas teams like Pittsburgh and Baltimore, like have, I mean, Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season, right? Like, so you, you can say that the Steelers are gross and the way they play today is like everybody kind of like way, rolls not their to, eyes. Not to interrupt you, leader in the clubhouse for NFL coach of the year. Yes. Yes. Oh. Um, And, but my point is, is like, it's about sustained success year after year. And the the Steelers and Ravens and even the Browns this year have been able to win games with a backup quarterback because the rest of their team is built to win. And so, yes, the Bengals got really lucky with their style the last two years. I don't think it's a long-term style that's going to suit this team year in and year out because I just think that you're too reliant upon Joe to drop back 40, 45 times a game. And that's just a recipe for like a disaster in my opinion, although it might be really efficient, but you have to start playing the long-term game and thinking about in our division, all we do, all we do is say, possessions are limited against the Browns, the the Ravens, the Steelers. It's the same old, same old from the Bengals coaching staff about their AFC North games. And it's like, when does anybody ever say, well, possessions are limited against the Bengals because we know they're going to score every drive. They don't say that because it's really hard to score every drive. And the Bengals have been very inconsistent. So it's like, what are the Bengals going to evolve? The NFL is the biggest adapt or die league. If you do not adapt in the NFL, like, yes, you had great success for two years, dropping Burrow back 45 times a game. Jamar Chase, nobody could cover Jamar Chase T. Higgins. Okay, that's going to all change this offseason. Uh, T. Higgins is likely to be somewhere else next year. Um, Tyler Boyd's likely to be somewhere else. Like, the three-headed monster is going to be broken up. Sorry to tell Bengals fans, but it's just the truth. Well, Uh, no question. That's just the reality of the economics of the situation. There's no question. Right. So is this going to be the off season where they schematically look at what they have and develop more of an identity on offense that is about possession and being able to run the ball better and being able to run the ball better might might change in terms of who you pick for your running back, who you they're going to, they're going to be in the market for a right tackle and a left guard. Do you, when you're looking at those offensive linemen, start paying more attention to how they are in run blocking and, and really 
you know, do they change their run scheme? Again, um, there's so many questions, but I think the Bengals have got to find a way from a philosophy standpoint to be able to control the ball more and get more physical on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Because right now they are the fourth, like they're the worst in the division in terms of physicality. Every other team is more physical than the Bengals. And yes, they had their two year run, but nine times out of 10, the more physical team that controls the clock is, is going to be the team that not just has these fluke years, sustained success eight to nine to ten wins every year is and and that should be what they want here with joe burrow and zach taylor so i had uh an nfl uh, executive who i respect very much talk to me before the tennessee playoff game a couple of years ago and he said burrow is one of the smartest quarterbacks he's ever seen however he is very that person was very concerned about the number of hits that Joe Burrow had already taken, and that was in 2021, and the number of hits that he might be taking going forward if the Bengals didn't have a good running game to protect him. And as we saw this year, he kept getting hit. We, he kept getting hit, and eventually Jadavian Clowney, ended, essentially for all intents and purposes, ended his season. And I guess my point about the run game is there are other successful quarterbacks who pass a lot, who have the threat of a run game. Joe Burrow does not have that, which is why all of these teams have no hesitation right now, Kelsey, of just pinning their ears back and going after the quarterback in different stunts, a double A gap, a gap off the edge. Uh, we've seen the Bengals, you know, have trouble with a lot of edge rushers, but they've had a lot of trouble protecting Burrow up the middle. There's been no threat of a run game. Until the Bengals fix that, I think Joe Burrow... Uh, is not going to see uh, his potential as I feel one of the top three quarterbacks in the NFL. What say you? I mean, I agree. Um, I, I think that, like you said, like, and remember I asked Brian Callahan about that graphic about the Andrew Luck hits yes. and, and the amount of hits he's taking. And again, they're like, it's a off season conversation, but I just think that every year they should be drafting offensive linemen in the top first to three rounds every year. And like, I know it's not sexy and I know fans want to fall in love with X tight end and this person. If you draft the best offensive and defensive linemen available in the first one through three, you'll always have a chance and it'll always give Burrow the chance to be the best he can be. Cause Burrow can make a fourth round receiver look good. He can't. Yeah. No, so, that's a great point. Kelsey. I'd rather take a first or second round offensive lineman versus a fourth rounder like Cordell Volson, where it's like, yeah, he was okay. And now he's regressing, like build through the trenches, protect the investment. I and that is agree. Joe Burrow. My, my issue with Cordell Volson is I think they I think he is a very good run blocker and he actually had a pretty decent pass blocking game this past game, but that certainly has not been the case all season. No question about that. But I think they draft a guy, a people mover like he was at North Dakota state. And then they don't use him that way when he, when he gets here uh, and they just don't have a, enough downhill run schemes 
built in for a guy like Cordell Volson, then you ask the question, okay, why did you draft him if you're not going to use him and, and uh, put him toward uh, the strength he was designed to play toward? And so, you know, again, that's an offseason question. We can get to that in a little, uh, you know, down the road. But I want to get to the defense. And DJ Reader spoke on uh, Monday in the locker room. And he really did bite his tongue. He didn't want to get into a lot of the specifics of what's gone wrong. What's why is this year so different for this defense as opposed to the last two years uh, when they were able uh, to come up with big stops and not be so reliant on the turnover. Every team needs turnovers, but this team, the Bengal team is if they don't get the turnovers, they have no chance of stopping anybody. And I think you could see the frustration on DJ reader's face what are you what are your biggest takeaways of the defensive failures this year, Kelsey? You know, that is something I can't quite put my finger on. Um, because I wasn't expecting it. And they've returned so many players that were really good last year. Um, it's easy to say how much they miss Vaughn and Jesse. Right. But That's part of it, but not it's not, not nearly the whole, the whole thing. story. Yeah. Correct. Um I just think that they don't have enough interior dogs. Like DJ <laughs> like can't that. play this the amount of snaps at 30 years old that he could at 24. And and the Bengals did no favors to themselves by not replacing someone behind him knowing that he was going into the final year of his contract like that to me them not taking a tight end or an interior defensive lineman were the two biggest surprises to me in the draft because I was like you know it's likely that like you're not going to be um able to sign DJ Raider to another extension, nor I, I don't know if they want to, um, but he'll be pricey. So like, how do you not have a rookie behind him that DJ can mentor that can also get you 15, 20 snaps a game behind him. And like, if you look at when the Bengals defensive line was the best, it was the year they went to the Super Bowl when they had Larry Ogunjobi as that, that third piece. And it was Larry, DJ, and BJ. And, like, they were just vicious. Now you're asking DJ and BJ to play more snaps because the guys behind them just haven't developed. Like Zach You think Harden they're run hasn't. down? It's that simple? They're run down? I think they're run down, and they're on the field all the time. And I think there's just not enough depth on the interior defensive line and teams are able to key in on Trey. And then when Sam was out, it was like, who scares you up front? No one. I mean, I, I think those are all very, very valid points. You, you bring up not bring, uh, drafting defensive, you know, a defensive tackle uh, behind DJ and BJ. I very much agree with that. The tight end situation once Dalton Kincaid went off the board or uh, yeah, Dalton Kincaid went off the board. I don't think they valued anybody else there who they felt were going to spend draft capital on taking. I think they had their sights set on one, maybe two tight ends. And once they were off the board um, and, and Joe doesn't throw to tight ends much to begin with um, it would have been great to have a tight end as a weapon. Um, but 
I just don't see that as a priority right now in this offense. I think it should be. I think that'd be, a, by the way, another way to help protect Joe. Um, but anyway, all over the map here. I just think that, you know, there are so many issues with regard to the Bengals' depth on their person on their roster. They've got to address that in the offseason. And I think we're going to, I think to your point, Kelsey, earlier, we're going to find out a lot about what they think about the depth on their roster. And they're going to be, shown a lot about their roster in these final six games that's probably the biggest thing to watch for over the final six weeks yeah but I will say that remember Zach Taylor said this is the deepest roster that he's ever had in Cincinnati so yep. well no great point Kelsey and and I think a lot of us uh, you know very objectively looked at this roster in June July you know, even after, even in May, after the draft was over and, and looked at it, like this is a pretty deep roster simply because that you all already had star players who had proven success at a high level, a team that had gone to the AFC championship two years in a row, you know, one play away from winning a Super Bowl, And you thought everything was lined up. And then, you know, certainly the age of the defensive line has, I, I think, been a concern and they're going to have to start getting younger along the defensive line and you're going to have to have guys like miles murphy um obviously you know uh, who else joseph osai joseph osai thank you he's got it they've got to get something out of him that's more uh that more resembles the way he came out of the gates in his rookie year before he got hurt in that one preseason game, the way he played toward at the start of his second season, they haven't seen anything close to that. And that's another question. I think Kelsey, just real quick, your thoughts on why hasn't Joseph Asai, you know, developed this year. It's the million dollar question. I don't know. I asked Lou Anarumo, did you expect him to be further along at this point? And he said, yeah. So I, I I don't, I wish I knew more about it. I don't understand where the inconsistencies with his game lie, um, but his playing time and the fact that he was, you know, playing in that preseason game and Zach said it, he yep. needed the snaps. Like they don't know what he is on a consistent I'm basis. I was stunned by that then. I'm still stunned by it now why he doesn't get on the field more, why he isn't an impact player, at least on thir in third down situations where it's pin your ears, just go after the quarterback, get to the quarterback. And maybe he's thinking too much out there and he's, you know, very indecisive. Let, let me ask you this. Do you think that play in the AFC championship game has impacted him at all? No, no. I think I, and like, I want to be careful because I don't want to like speak for something I don't know of, but based off what Lou Anarumo said, like his injuries have been a problem for him, but his ankle has been healed for months now. Um, so I just, I don't know why he can't put it together. Um, but again, and you know, we'll have time to talk about it on another podcast, but like, if you start going back through their defensive lineman draft choices over the last couple of years haven't been good. Nope. They've nailed the secondary in terms of Dax. Uh, I mean, I don't think we know really what Dax is yet, um, but Cam Taylor, Britt, DJ Turner, Jordan Battle, good picks. D 
defensive maybe line. Even, by the way, maybe even DJ Ivy. He doesn't get on the field much, but I think there's a potential that that might have been a steal, you know, toward you know, in the seventh round, I believe it was. Yeah. But up front, nope. They gotta they gotta figure it out because they don't have the money right now to go out and buy defensive linemen because of who they're going to have to pay, pay at uh, wide receiver soon. <laughs> what are you working on? Anything uh, coming up this week? Yeah, or- I'm actually going to be talking to Zach Taylor's parents um, oh. with his upcoming matchup against his brother, Press. Press. Um, his parents are going to be um, talking to me, and I'm going to um, do a, a piece on the family ahead of Monday's game. That is excellent. I assume the trophy that he referenced on Monday will be part of that conversation. Yes. Yes, I'm sure it will. Well, I'll look forward to reading that as everybody should look forward to reading that in your coverage on the, in the Cincinnati Inquirer and Cincinnati.com. Kelsey, thanks for joining me on this podcast. Thanks so much for having me on, Trags. All right, Kelsey. That's Kelsey Conway. You can follow her on Twitter, X at uh, Kelsey L. Conway, correct? I got that right? You did get that right. Okay, thank God. Kelsey L. Conway on Twitter X. My name is Mike Petralia Trags. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Jungle War Podcast, powered as always by FanDuel Sportsbook, the exclusive online wagering partner of CLNS Media Network. Until next week, keep that jungle roaring.